Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Monday the 13th of February 2012, entitled More About Christ, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, amen. You glad to be here tonight? Say amen. Welcome to the Global Warming Conference 2012, Birmingham, England. No, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, I don't know a time that I've ever come over where it's been warm, uh, except the first trip we ever brought, we ever came, and it was September. And so we got to see a little bit of the flowers budding, and then it got cold, and we've never seen England warm since then. So I'm hoping and praying that we can come back on a trip when it's uh, around June or July, and uh, maybe we'll see the sun a little bit more, and uh, not the liquid sunshine. So, uh, John chapter number three, very familiar chapter. We talked about that a little bit last night. Uh, when you hear some chapters mentioned, first thing that comes to your mind is a message you've heard on it or the theme of the a chapter. Uh, we're going a little bit different direction tonight, so I want you to look at the last part of the chapter. We'll start in verse number 22. And I'll begin my reading there and we'll end at verse number 30, but I want you to look at John chapter number three and verse number 22. It says, and after these things... After these things came, <clears throat> came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon near Salem, uh, near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. That's a very important verse. Uh, you need to remember that one because we're going to jump back to that here shortly. Then it says in verse number 25, Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about or concerning purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi or teacher, He that was uh, with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. And John answered and said, A man cannot receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, receiveth greatly, uh, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy there felt for is fulfilled. Now look at verse number 30. John makes a statement that I want to focus in on tonight, and he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, who's saying that? John the Baptist. John is saying he must increase. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Lord Jesus. He said he must increase, but I, John the Baptist, must decrease. I want to preach a message to you tonight entitled, More About Christ. More About Christ. Before I preach, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed before I preach. Lord, I pray that, Lord, tonight you would open hearts, you would illuminate your word, and God, help us to receive it. And, Lord, leave this place, Lord, loving you more, wanting to share you more, but, Father, having a more intimate relationship than when we came in this door. Help us to leave this place, Lord, tonight, a little bit less of what we are by nature and more like your son, Jesus. And, Lord, we'll be careful to praise you and thank you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said... Amen. J. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to the people of China, was in Australia giving a talk, and he was introduced by a man who was his contemporary, and that man got up and gave eloquent words about J. Hudson Taylor. Boy, he lifted him up great, lifted him up great. and J. Hudson Taylor came to the podium, 
And he looked at the people and he said, ladies and gentlemen, he said, I am the humble servant of an illustrious king. I, don't, I can only imagine what John the Baptist probably listening in heaven, looked over the windows of heaven and over the portals of heaven and probably said, amen, that's good preaching right there. Because you know what? That's the way John's ministry was. John was all about Jesus and not about John. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, if we're ever going to follow Christ and we're going to know more about Jesus, it's got to be that way. John said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Lord, we live in a day and age where people want accolades, they want prominence, they want to be the one that's patted on the back. But can I say this, folks? If anything's going to be done in this century, in this dispensation that we live in called the church age, it's going to be done by nobody but Jesus Christ. Amen? He must increase, but I must decrease. John is introduced in John chapter 1 verse 6. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You know what John did? John said, listen, I'm going to be minimized, but I'm going to make sure Jesus is maximized. I'm going to be the one that's put into shadows, but I want Jesus to be on the stage. What about your life? Do you want to know Jesus like that? I hope and pray that I'm like uh, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a man who was so humble and he was so, he was so in tune with the will of God and wanted God to be lifted up so much that one day he walked into a lecture hall where he was going to hear somebody else speak. He opened the door for the gentleman behind him. The gentleman behind him walked in. The whole audience saw that it was D.L. Moody holding the door and they began to applaud. Well, guess what D.L. Moody did? D.L. Moody began to applaud too because he thought they were applauding the guy coming in the door. Now that's humility. D.L. Moody was one of the greatest preachers of his time, but you know what he said? He said, it's not about me, Panos. It's all about Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, He must increase, but I must decrease. I want you to look at an intriguing word that we see in John chapter number 3, used three times. First time it's used is in John chapter 3. Look back at verse number 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, he said, How can a man be born when he is old? Now we know what happened. Jesus looked at him and he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, verse 3, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse number 6 he said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, Marvel not that I say unto you that ye what? Must. There's three times the word must is used in the chapter. First is a must of the sinner. The first must is the must of the sinner. May I say this and announce to everybody in this room, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but if you're not saved, by the way, you, listen, Jesus didn't say it'd be a nice thing if you get saved. It'd be a nice thing if you get born again. No, He didn't suggest that you be, get born again. He said, I say unto you, you must be born again. Can I say this? There's a, there's a talk show host in America and she made a statement that there's many other ways to heaven but Jesus Christ. May I announce to you tonight that that woman's a bold-faced liar and Jesus Christ tells the truth. Amen. Jesus said, I am the only way to heaven. 
I don't care what any other religion says. If they say there's another way to heaven, you get away from it as fast as you can because, gee, listen, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Romani, none, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It didn't say might. It didn't say hope. It said we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Not by works of righteousness, not of our good works, but all because of the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a mercy, listen, the must of the sinner, but I want you to look at this. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14 says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man, must the Son of Man be lifted up. So number one, we see the must of the sinner. But Malcolm, number two, we see the must of the Savior. May I say this, ladies and gentlemen? People say, why did Jesus have to die the death that He died? Why did He have to be crucified and beat? To the, within an inch of his life? His back looked like hamburger meat. He bled all over the place. Can I ask you this? Do you know any other way to get to heaven but through the blood of Christ? I don't know any other way. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, except there be no shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. And folks, you know what? Jesus Christ had to. He must have died that death because He had to die that death for us to get to heaven. By two pieces of wood and three nails, God built a bridge to heaven. Amen? The must of the sinner, the must of the Savior. But I want you to look at chapter number 3 and verse 30. We see the must of the servant. By the way, the word must means it is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary that you have this. The must of the sinner. Verily, verily, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. He said, the Son of Man must be lifted up. But then the son, listen, the must of the servant, it says in John 3.30, He must increase, but I must decrease. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but we've got to get to the point where we realize that we have to be in the shadows. Jesus Christ needs to be on the stage. He, listen, He is the founder. We're just the forerunner. John said that. We're, I'm the forerunner, but the founder's coming. Listen, I announced to you tonight that I'm the campaign manager for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what I am. I'm the one that's trying to be like John, the voice that's crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. You better get ready. Jesus is coming. Amen? He's coming. So folks, we see the word must, but can I say this? If we're going to make sure, Pastor, he's increased and we decrease, there's some things. How do we do that? How do we make much of Jesus? How do we know more about Christ? I'll tell you how. Numbers three things, and we're going to go to the house, all right? Three things, I promise. Now, that three things might take an hour, but just bear with me, all right? I got three things for you tonight. Number one, look at this. Number one, He must increase in our concentration. He must increase in our concentration. I go back to John 1, 6. And you know what it says, Brother Leonard? It says there was a man sent from God. You know the word sent there, Brother Panos? You know what it means? It means a man that is on an operation. He has an assignment. He has a task. And he only is going to concentrate on that one task. Last night we had the privilege, and I call it a privilege, of hearing how Eric went into battle in Afghanistan and he got a silver star because he was wounded in action. 
You're talking about a patriot and a hero here tonight, folks. But you know what? I can, gu- I can guarantee you, yeah, Urah is a Marine. I can guarantee you this, when you were in there in that battle and you were in that conflict, you weren't thinking about what was for lunch. You weren't thinking about what you're going to do when you got out of there. You were thinking about the task at hand. John was sent, Malcolm, from God. A man sent from God to do a task. And you know what? It takes tremendous concentration, Tyler, when you're on task. When you've got a duty to do, you don't think about nothing else but doing that. I heard a story one time about a king. A king had many servants. One of them said, I want to be the one that follows you and carries everything for you. He said, son, he said, you're not even in my upper echelon of servants. He said, sir, give me a task. I just want to try to please you. The king said, okay, we're getting ready to have a parade around the town. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill up a cup. I'm going to fill up a coffer full of milk. He says, if you can follow me in that parade and you cannot drop a drop of milk out of that glass, out of that coffer, you'll be a successor and you'll be one of my servants. Guess what? Went around the whole parade following him as the king monarch was on his white charger. The whole way around the city he followed that king. Guess what? They got back and he looked and the coffer was still as full as when they started the parade. He said, son, how in the world did you not drop anything out of that glass? He said, because I did not take my eyes off of it. He said, everybody that hit me, he said, I was making sure I had, I had my focus on that glass. Can I ask you something? What are you thinking about tonight? What do you think about during the day? John's sole purpose in life was doing nothing but lifting up Jesus Christ. If we want to know more about Jesus, number one, we've got to, listen, we've got to make sure he is, he is increased, Malcolm, in our concentration. What do you think about today? What do you think about at night? They say that you could have in one day, Tenneca, one day, 50,000 thoughts. In a day, a 24-hour period of time, you could, Karen, make 1,200 decisions. And may I ask you this? What do you think about? An old wise preacher said one time, he said, you ain't what you think you are, but you are what you think. Think about that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, don't do that. You ain't what you think you are, but you are what you think. May I say this? Proverbs 4.23 says, Thou will, listen, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it is the issues of life. Amen? David said in Psalm chapter 1 verse 1, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, meditate day and night. You want to know why we have a bunch of sissy saints in the work of God today? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go ahead and condemn some of us. You want to know why we've got a bunch of sissy saints? And I'm going to go pick on my country. You know why the biggest bunch of sissy saints in the world is in America? It's because we get a little hangnail or we get a little cold and then we quit on God. I'm glad Jesus didn't do that. I'm glad Jesus did not quit when it got tough. Because if he would have, we'd all be in hell tonight. If some of you had gotten to the Garden of Gethsemane and started praying and sweat drops of blood come out of your forehead, you'd have said, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm going back to the house to get me a cup of tea and a biscuit. You know what, folks? If we want to know more about Christ, you know what? We've got to make sure He increases in our concentration. What do you think about during the day? Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you. Now listen to this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross if you go a couple verses above that Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of what? Mind. See, I guarantee you this, the reason why sometimes we do wrong or we act wrong or we talk wrong is because we're thinking wrong. You've got to let Jesus increase in your concentration. That's what John said. John said, I've been sent from God with a task. I've got a duty to do. And folks, if we're going to do anything for Jesus Christ, we've got to make sure, we've got to make sure that we are concentrated fully on the Lord Jesus. Well, you know what? This ain't rocket science. Following Christ is not rocket science. You're either right with God tonight or you ain't. Now, I'm not trying to play games with you. I don't come all the way over here just to tickle your ears or make a little, you know, a little talk, and then we go away and everybody goes, wow, that was great. Listen, if you're not right with God, get right with God. God loves you. He wants you to serve Him. If you are, do better to try to please Him. And the problem is that sometimes we don't understand that God didn't just save us to serve Him. God saved us to enjoy Him. We got a lot of people walking around going, boy, this is hard. This is too tough. Man, I got to do this. I can't do that. No, don't look at it like that. Look at it as an enjoyment to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Man, I'm excited about this thing. I hope it shows a little bit. I mean, I'm maybe it don't, but my soul, y'all been around me long enough. You've known, you know everything I'm preaching. You know, I'm going to tell you, though, it don't get any less exciting. I could preach the same verse for 14 years and I'm telling you, Romani, it still blesses my soul to know that the God who don't need me loves me and wants to include me in His work. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. But folks, if I want to know more about Christ, I've got to make sure that He has increased in my concentration. You know, we, have, we all have wasted thoughts, don't we? We have wasted thoughts. It's called the wandering mind. Hello, some of y'all ain't. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but you go ahead and laugh. You're gonna be right there with us in a little bit. Just go ahead and laugh it up. But a wandering mind, wasted thoughts. But then some listen. We have wicked thoughts, huh? You know what? We're none of us exempt. Don't look at me pious like that. All of us have wicked thoughts sometimes. It might not be of overt, open wickedness, but you know what? What do we think about somebody that may have miffed us or crossed us the wrong way? And you know what? We think a wicked thought about what we want to do to them or what we want God to do to them. Huh? By the way, we're in a dis different dispensation now, and you can't pray precatory prayers. They don't work no more. If you don't know what I mean, you can't pray that God kills somebody that you want dead because they've done something to you. That don't work no more because God is merciful. He's long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You're welcome. But we've got to concentrate our attention on the Lord of hosts. And ladies and gentlemen, we have wondering thoughts. We have wasted thoughts. You say, preacher, how do I concentrate on Jesus? You know what you got to do? You got to do what Paul said. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he said, casting down imaginations. Can I give you a little definition of what casting down means? Miss Shelley, when you was in Kenya, you said you had them spider monkeys that chased you. 
Can I say this? There are spider monkeys. You know what the word spider, spider monkeys, you know that's a Greek word for demon possession? That's what that means? She had spider... You know what? Here's what casting down means. When you were encountered by spider monkeys, you didn't go up to them and they already looked like they wanted to take your life. You didn't go up to them and go, Hey, little spider monkeys, good to see you. No, you ran as far as you could from them and as fast as you get away. If you put your... Listen, if you put your hand down to grab a stick and it's a snake and it bites you, you just don't stand there like a big dummy looking at it for five more bites. You let it go and get away. That's what casting down means. Get away from it. You've got a problem with an area of your life. Now, I'm just, listen, you know me. Your pastor has been called to comfort you as afflicted people, but I've been called to afflict you as comforted, okay? He's called, to, he's comfort, the comfort afflicted. I call, I'm called to afflict the comforted. So you know what, I'm, there might be some times when you get uncomfortable because you know what? The Bible is confrontational at its very nature because you know what the Bible says? Here's the truth, what are you going to do with it? I didn't say that. The Bible does. Now, I want to ask you something. If you've got a wicked thought or you've got a wicked area of your life and you know that you've got a problem, the first thing you ought not do is go run straight to the problem. Go run straight to the temptation and live there. That's what God told Lot not to do, and he did it anyway. Guess what? Had a pretty bad outcome. And I can promise you this. If you try to do something that displeases God, you're going to have a bad outcome too. Why do you keep trying to fix something the same way when it don't work and keep on trying to do it that way? Hello? You got, listen, wandering thoughts, wasted thoughts, wicked thoughts. Some of us in this room have worried thoughts. Now don't let me scratch where you itch. I wonder how many people in here tonight worry. How many of you have worried in the last 24 hours? Say amen. That was, man, that was terrible. you got to be kidding me, only four of y'all. I can guarantee you right now, everybody in this room is worried in the last 36 hours about something. Here's what we do. Oh, man, Lord, do you even know? Oh, Lord Jesus, do you know who we've got in governmental positions and all of these other things? Lord, do you not understand that we're going through some tough... Do you know what, folks? Nothing has taken God by mistake. Everything in the Father's house is all right. Amen. But yet we worry about things. Well, what about that crazy moron, uh, crazy moron over in Iran, Ahmadinejad? He's got a bomb. Man, if he takes that thing, he'll blow us up. Hey, if we blow up, we're going up. Amen. Hey, it's a win-win situation. Why am I worrying about stuff that shouldn't be worrying about? You know, they say you worry about 96%. 96% of stuff you worry about has a 2% chance of even happening. Can I say this? Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Did you hear me? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. You know what the problem with most of us is? We worry about... Somebody asked me, what's the difference between concern and worry? There is a difference. You know what worry is? Worry is concern out of control. That's what worrying is. Worrying is concern out of control. I'm concerned about my mom's salvation. But I don't let, let it worry me, Tenica, to the point that I'm over here whittling my thumbs wondering, oh, what God's, what's God going to do? 
Can I tell you something? I'm not the most spiritual person in the world, but I prayed this morning and I checked with God and He's still on the throne and He's still in the office taking requests. He ain't out fishing somewhere. He ain't taking medication. He knows what's going on. And I can tell you this, all is well in the Father's house. Amen? Some of y'all don't look like you're much convinced of that, but I hope your face changes about that, all right? But we've got to change. Listen, we've got to make sure He increases in our concentration. But not only that, but we need to make sure that He increases in our communication. Our communication. You say, preacher, what do you mean? In Matthew chapter number 3, John, it says of John that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was the voice. Can I say this, folks? When John saw Jesus for the first time, do you know what he said? John was baptizing in the River Jordan. Romani, here comes the Lord Jesus Christ. He already told everybody, I'm the one that's coming. I'm before Him. The one that's coming after me is preferred before me. And he said, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. He is God. And you know what John said when he first saw him? He said, listen, and I know the verse. It's John 1.29. It says, behold, when he saw Jesus coming unto him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, let me just go ahead and just remind you something. Everything up to this point, every sacrifice up to this point, Tyler, covered sin. It atoned for sin. In other words, the Hebrew word for atonement is kafar. It means to cover or to atone. So in other words, they had to, Andy, keep doing that every year to cover the sin of the people in that year. But when Jesus looked out through that crowd and he saw Jesus, when John saw Jesus Christ, he said, behold. Now the word behold means to look for your benefit. I'm sure, okay, now just bear with me. I am absolutely convinced that John didn't say it like this. Behold, the Lammeth of Godeth taketh away the sinneth of the worldeth. He didn't do that. I guarantee you he said, come, come here. He said, look, that's the Lamb of God. He said, listen, there's no more need of a sacrifice. He's the one that will take it away. It ain't going to have to be covered no more. And you know what? I bet he almost busted a blood vessel in his forehead. You want to know something, Brother Downey? If we want to make much of Christ and we want to have more about Jesus in our life, we have to in, He has to increase in our concentration, but number two, in our communication. You know what? I want to ask you a question. I don't want all of you to look at me. If He's going to increase in our communication, you know what it has to do with? Two things. Number one, He needs to increase more in you talking to Him. Luke 18, 1, Jesus spoke a parable unto them of this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. The tense of the verbs is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Some of us pray three times for something and quit. Why is that? Is it because we're impatient? Or do we really believe God can do what He said He'd do? See, I believe prayer comes down to faith. And you know what prayer will do? Prayer will begin to, you talking to God. I was in a meeting in West Virginia, Eric, with a gentleman. Hold on just a minute. I got a frog in my throat and he's got his legs crossed. I was in a meeting in West Virginia, North Carolina. West Virginia, North Carolina. 
West Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky. I was in a meeting in West Virginia. You got to understand, it's all states. And I was in a meeting in West Virginia. It's been a long week. It ain't even, it's Monday, right? <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. That didn't make sense. It's been a long four days. I was in a meeting in West Virginia. Tyler, I'm in a prayer room about 15 minutes before we get out to go to the service. And we get down in, this, in a circle and pray, much like we do upstairs during the youth conference. And we were up there praying. And Tenica, this guy leans down uh, beside of me. And he's probably 85 years of age. He's got on overalls, like farmer's overalls. He's got on work boots that still have excrement on them from the pasture. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's got stuff on his boots in the prayer room. You say, well, I can't believe that. <laughs> well, you know what? The guy couldn't get cleaned up before he come to church. Thank God he's there. He comes in there and he begins to pray. And this is what he prayed. Now, I found out later, the pastor told me, this was one of the charter members of that church. And pastor, he'd been saved, I guess, probably, I'm going to say, 63 years. And that guy got down. Here he is, 80 years of age, got saved when he was probably 13, 16 years of age, whatever the math is, but he was a young'un. And he got down on his knees as an 80-year-old man, and this is what he prayed right beside of me. He said, Lord, he said, I've come here tonight to hear from you. I'll never forget what he said. He said, Lord, make me more like Jesus. An 80-year-old man who's been saved 63 years? He's saying, make me more like Jesus. I feel like a spiritual gnat. Oh, big shot, come to preach for their church. Here's a man who's been saved longer, th- t- twice longer than I've been on the earth. And do you know what? He is praying, make me more like the one I pray to. Can I say this, folks? If we want to in, Him to increase and us decrease, number one, He has to increase in our concentration, but number two, He has to increase in our communication. Not only to Him, but number two, for Him. For Him. Now here's where it gets hard. You say, preacher, I don't have the gift of talking to somebody one-on-one about Jesus. You know what? I can guarantee you this right now. The more time you spend with Him, the easier to get. The more time you spend with Jesus, the easier to get to talk about somebody, talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. I was on a maneuver when I was in the reserves, just got off active duty, was at the reserve, in the reserves, and I went, and we had a combination exercise with the Army. There was an Army, and God forgave me for that. But anyway, but, but the Marine Corps and the Army got together and had this maneuver. Well, it was at a place called Camp Butner. It's a large uh, range in, in North Carolina. It's also a mental institution. I don't know why they sent us there, but you just might have had, had something to do with that. But anyway, we're there, and we're on maneuvers with these Army personnel. And this guy is with me probably 12 hours out of the first day. I began to talk to him. I guess it was the next day after we got done eating morning chow that we went uh, to the rifle range. And guess what? He just so happened to be put with me for the whole rest of that day at the rifle range. I began to talk to him. Let me say this, folks. This guy was from New Zealand originally. From New Zealand, Pastor. I'm from Statesville, North Carolina. We meet up at Camp Butner, a mental institution. I tell, and long and short of it, I tell the guy about Jesus Christ, and I said, what are you? He said, I'm Catholic. He grew up Catholic. You know what? He said, I, I, I've been religious. I said, there's a problem. I said, let me ask you something, sir. I said, when you were born, 
Did you have anything to do with you being born? No. Your mother and father gave you life, right? I said, well, it's the same way with the family of God. The heavenly father has to give you, uh, he has to birth you in the family of God. There's nothing you can do to earn it or to receive it. All you got to do is ask. And you know what? That guy got saved right there on the rifle range at Camp Butner. After we got done praying, I guess it was later on that day, he made an unusual statement, Chris. He said, you know what's funny? He said, I'm from New Zealand. You're from North Carolina. We got saved at, I got saved at a rifle range. I said, isn't God interesting? And you know all it took? Was just talking to him about the one I need to talk about. We talk about a lot of stuff. But I'm wondering tonight, if you want to have more of Jesus in your life, you're going to have to, and He's going to have to increase in your concentration, but number two, in your communication. I was talking to a lady. I, rem- I don't remember if it was North Myrtle Beach or if it was Wilmington or Wrightsville Beach. It was one of those where we live in the North Carolina area. And this girl was pushing this, this, little, this little hot dog stand. And I remember distinctly the Lord looking. I mean, I I looked at her and I went, there's no way, Lord, I can go over and talk to her. She didn't have hardly any clothes on, okay? She's up there in little bitty bitty shorts and and, and hardly anything on top of her body. And I'm like, Lord, you know I can't. He said, if you don't go talk to her, who's going to do it? Now, I know, you know what, I'm I'm thinking right now, there's some of you in here going, you know what, that's wicked and ungodly and y'all not going to... If I don't give her the gospel, who's going to do it? Because I can guarantee you the 90% of the people that passed by her thought the same thing. Unclean, unclean, I can't talk to her. She's wicked. Well, you know what I did? I tried to honor the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, if you want me to go, you keep my eyes fixed right on her eyes. I mean, you keep them right, riveted right on her eyes. And I did, folks. There was times when I was looking at her talking like this. I ain't lying to y'all. Now, I know y'all, we got some spiritual saints in here tonight, but I'm just telling you, this is the way the Lord works in my life. I'm looking up, I'm talking to her, and I, you know what I asked her? I said, ma'am, I said, how long have you been doing this? A quiver came across her voice, and you know what she said? She began to break down. She said, you know what? She said, I've been doing this for five years. She said, but for the last five years of nights, I've been selling my body during the night. And I sell hot dogs during the day. She is a prostitute. I talked to that young lady. I said, have you ever been invited to church by anybody? She said, I went to a church about five years ago, but she said they threw me out. Listen to this. They threw me out because I was already with child by a man that was not my husband. You know what I wanted to tell her? That wasn't even a church to begin with if they wouldn't accept you. If they're going to throw you out like that and treat you that way, that ain't even church to begin with. We are supposed to be a Holy Ghost hospital for hurting people. Listen, I hate cancer, but I don't hate people that's got cancer. I hate sin, but I don't hate sinners. I love them. And so does Jesus. And if he's guilty of it, bless God, I want to be guilty of it too. Amen? That girl didn't get saved, Tyler, but she got the gospel that day. When I left her, she was crying. You know what? We have to. If we want to make much of Christ, if we want more of Jesus in our life, we've got to make Him increase in our concentration and in our communication. But number three, and I've got to be done. Number three, we have to. We have to make Jesus. Listen, He has to increase, number one, in our concentration. Think about what you think about. All right? I know that sounds stupid, but think about what you're thinking about. Don't just let your mind wander and kick into neutral and not think. He's got to increase in your... Listen, He must increase in your concentration. He must increase in your communication. How hard... 
Well, preacher, they won't like me and they'll, they'll be offended. Does it matter really who gets offended if you give them the gospel? Honestly, I think it supremely matters if, listen, if God's offended when you don't spread His word like He commanded us to do. But He must increase finally in our consecration. I want you to look over at chapter number 3 and look at verse number... Oh, look at verse number 24. And I'm almost done. If we're going to be more about Jesus and know more about Him, number one, we need to, he, he needs to increase in our concentration, in our communication, but number three, in our consecration. Our consecration. How? Let me ask you something tonight. How devoted are you? Really? How committed are you? I know we talk about rededication and rededication. That's great. I'm telling you folks, it's great when you rededicate your life. But I'm telling you this, God needs some committed Christians. Committed Christians. And by the way, I'm not blowing smoke at you. How many times do you think I wanted to quit in the last year? There's times when I felt like the ceiling was brass. I felt like God was a million miles away. God, you're not fair. God, you're not there. And God, you must not care. But none of those things are true. That's a lie of the enemy. And can I ask you something? I wonder how, I wonder how sorrowful you would have really felt if not only knowing, hey, listen, we have to understand that we can rejoice. Seth is in glory waiting for us. He's going to welcome us. But I wonder how sorrowful you would have felt if you'd have got news that Brian wasn't going to come this year because Brian's out of ministry. He quit. Let me tell you something, Mom and Dad. Let me tell you something, uni student. Let me tell you something, uh, grandmother and grandfather. If you quit, you might affect your whole family in quitting. You may be the reason why somebody else gets so discouraged that they quit on God. We need to be committed. Now, I'm not talking about committed like... Straight jacket, take you off. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of committed. I'm talking about commitment. He must increase in our concentration. Brother, he must increase in our communication. Let the words, David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. But he must increase in our consecration. Look at verse number 24. Verse number 24 says, uh, For John was not yet cast into prison. You say, what's the, what's the implication of that? What's the significance of that verse? Well, let me remind you, folks, this was not some hot shot, some big guy that comes into town that's wearing a big suit and has got a lot of eloquent words to speak. He had one message. They came to him and said, John, we want to be baptized. He said, you ain't even saved yet. You got to repent. You go home and get baptized. You need to repent. He went to Herod. Now get this now. He went to the king and said, King, I've got a message from God for you. You're an adulterer. <laughs> Can you imagine going to the, to the prime minister of England going, You're an idolater. You're an adulterer. You've been sleeping with a woman that ain't even your wife. You know what Herod did? Herod put him in prison. One night they was whining and dining their friends and he got drunk and Herod said, come in. And his, listen, Herodias came in and she had this little spell on him and she did this dance before him. By the way, 
Be very careful. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the lion, uh, the, the, your adversary as a lion roareth and seeketh, and he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You be very careful where you go and what you do. Herod got drunk that night, and Herodias stood before me, and he said, oh, listen, it's so good. He said, you ask anything of me, and I'll do it. And she said, I want John to bab his head on a platter. He said, all right, go get him. I guarantee you, Panos, as his executioners laid him down, took his hair, stretched his body out, Tyler, and got ready to cut his head off, I guarantee you that John the Baptist's message was this, repent! Whack! Now, I know I've got a vivid imagination, but I can almost imagine they take his head and put it on a platter and they bring it up after Herod. They open the thing up and he's got one chance to say it to Herod and his mouth opens up and says, Repent! <laughs> you say, Preacher, you really think that? Well, you can just go ahead and believe what you want to believe. But you know what Herod said when he heard about Jesus? When he heard about Jesus, Pastor, he said, That's not Jesus. He said, I know it is. Herod said, That's the ghost of John the Baptist come back to haunt me. Can I say this? I hope I have an impact even after I'm dead on people like that. He must increase in our consecration. You know what, folks? John the Baptist had a job and he did it until his death. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, repent, repent. Consecration. Wonder about you tonight. You know, folks, I, I am convinced of this. That our society has gotten us so comfortably numb because of comforts, because of access, because of technology, that we think that we can do it and we don't need anybody else's help, especially God's. We have become sissy saints. Now you say, preacher, I'm not. Well, good. Praise the Lord, you're not. But can I tell you, I believe that I have gone from church to church to church in America and by and large, now I can speak because I'm one of them, but let me say this, by and large, I look at some churches and they are so weak and anemic that they've got to be full of people who have gotten themselves so deceived about what it is to suffer for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you something, folks. Y'all deal with a bigger, th bigger issue over here than we do especially right here in Ward Inn and where your church is at. I know that. But can I say this? I'd say it's pretty committed. I'd say you're pretty committed to what your cause is when you start your kids at five years old saying it's okay to strap a bond to myself and go into a disco in Tel Aviv. I'd say that's pretty committed. But you know what I see, Malcolm? I go from place to place, and you know what? If, if, I mean, it don't take much to keep people out of church. Now, I know it's going to get quiet, and I don't, I, listen, I'm not making that statement for a bunch of amens, because I don't preach for amens. I'm preaching for Christ. But you know what? If we're not careful, listen, I got a letter, my wife got an email letter from a, a missionary named Daryl Covington that we supported. They are on the border of China and North Korea. Do you know what, folks? I got a, we got a letter from him over a year and a half ago that said that his friends who were his commu communicators and his uh, 
his go-between, uh, China and North Korea, they, two of those pastors who were nationals, Chinese pastors, were taken execution style and put on a, on a post and their children were made to watch as they shot their daddies right in front of them for preaching nothing more than what I'm preaching tonight. Yeah, man, it's tough in America. It's tough in the UK, man. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough. I remember when we moved to a little town called Lattimore, North Carolina, and started going to Bible college. We lived in a 400-square-foot apartment, all four of us. 400-square-foot apartment. We lived there, Tyler, a year, and you know what? God gave us a 3,200-square-foot Victorian home. Amen. God is, listen, God will give you sometimes the desires of your heart. But we lived in that 3,200-square-foot home for, I guess, about three months, and I remember coming in from work one night, and on the back of the vanity in the bathroom, leaned up against a candle, was a letter from my wife, and it said this. It said, Honey, I praise God for His provision for us. I prayed for a long time for a big home so we could honor and, and bring in missionaries and support them. But if the ministry causes us to leave this house and lose it, I will gladly follow Jesus. Now, I'm not doing that to lift her up. I'm just saying, folks, when, is we, when are we going to get to the point to where we will say, All for Him. All for Him. His name was Lou Fuke. And I'll be done with this. He was a Chinese national. He had a burden, Pastor Rooney. He had, Downey, he had a burden about this, uh, about this group of his uh, family and friends that moved from China to South Africa and began to work in the mines. He had such a burden to lead them to Christ that he moved there and he said, I want to go and be the chaplain for these people that work in the mines. They said, we cannot let you go down there and preach Christ. He said, well, what if I become a miner or a slave? I sign a contract with you. Would you let me go down there? They said, we'll sign a five-year contract with you. He fulfilled two of those years as a slave in that mine. You don't know why? Because the, the environment was so bad, Pastor, he died of lung disease. But not before he led 250 of his own national people to Christ. You know what I call that? Carl, I call that commitment. Commitment. Nathan Barlow, a missionary to Ethiopia... Listen, folks, this man could have stayed in the United States of America and been a millionaire as a doctor. He left there in a missions conference, got a burden, went to Ethiopia, worked with the people of Ethiopia around those volcanoes, volcanoes where the ash gives them a thing called mossy foot. Listen, while he was there, he got an abscess tooth. He came home to the States to get it pulled, and while he was here, he told the dentist, pull every tooth in my head. The dentist said, you have lost your mind. Pull every tooth. You've only got one abscess. Why all of them? He said, because I don't ever want to come home and have to deal with this problem again, you pull every tooth in my head because I won't never leave the people of Ethiopia. I love them. How committed are we to Christ? If we want it to be more about Jesus, He has to increase in our concentration. What are you thinking about tonight? You thinking about a grocery list? You thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow? You thinking about what your kid's going to do? No, you need to make it more about Jesus. Your concentration, number two, your communication, but number three, your consecration your consecration. I saw a sign outside of a church that said, 
Visitors welcome. Members are required. Visitors are welcome, but members are required. Can I say this? Our churches are full of members. We need to be full of workers. More about Christ. He must increase, but I must decrease. I'd love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I'd tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. Every day he comes to me with full assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never notice why he came to save me. Till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around as Miss Shelley has the piano. Folks, there's a reason why I preach a message like this on Monday night because hoping and praying that there'll be some solid decisions made by Friday night. Maybe it starts in your heart and your life. Listen, he must increase in your concentration. Have you got stinking thinking? Are you thinking too much about the wrong things? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Hey, what about is he increasing in your communication, not only to him, but for him? How much do you pray? How much do you talk to others about the love of Christ? But what about your consecration? What about your commitment to the Lord Jesus? I didn't ask you about church membership. I didn't ask you about what you do here at Bethel. I ask you, what about your commitment to Christ? How much time do you spend with him? Do you love him enough to spend time with him? Do you love him enough to share him with your mom and dad who's lost? Your friends that's lost? There's room at the cross for you. I wonder if you'd say with an upraised hand, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I want it in my life to be more about Christ and less about me. And you could just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless hands all over. Thank you for your honesty. I raise my hand with yours. Father, in Jesus' name, please tonight... Lord, do that only which you can do. God, speak, I pray, and do heart work. And I'll love you and praise you, Lord, and help us as your people to make sure you increase, but Heavenly Father, that we decrease. And we'll love you and praise you in Jesus' name.